Welcome to Sky Women. I'm your host, Dr. Carolyn Moyers, a wife, mom, and board-certified OB-GYN. This is a place to educate, empower, and inspire. Join us each week as we share the power of women's stories. Real women, real stories, real inspiration. Put on your stretchy pants. Let's get going. Welcome, Sky community, to another episode of Sky Women. We are lucky to have with us a, a returning guest, Dr. Anjanette Tan of Diabetes and Thyroid Center of Fort Worth. Welcome, this endocrinology expert. Thanks for having me uh, again. So, as I said, there's no end to hormone topics and endocrine topics in women's health. Absolutely. And so, when it comes to pregnancy, whether it's diabetic management or thyroid management. I mean, this is an area that oftentimes, especially if patients are a type one diabetic on an insulin pump, these are the, the patients who are ideally managed not only by their OB-GYN, they have a maternal fetal medicine specialist who's handling their high-risk pregnancy. And then we have endocrinology who's probably managing their pump. And we're all working together as a team to have a healthy pregnancy. Correct. Right. right. Uh, so... Yes, yeah, so the topic of what diabetes and pregnancy, there is no substitute to not prenatal, pre-pregnancy care, I guess. You know, it is, to me, even if it's a thyroid condition, diabetes, type 1 or 2, there's no substitute in terms of outcomes when a woman comes to you at the time that they're even just thinking about conceiving. And so, because, you know, pre-proper, pre-pregnancy care is everything. You get to talk about which medications are safe, what are the goals during pregnancy. I always tell women that everything in, during pregnancy is stricter. Your, our goals are stricter. Thyroid numbers need to be a certain way. That is what I call, you know, there's no, there's no negotiating there. So these are the guidelines. We have it very clear. It needs to be this level. Also, gestational diabetes or diabetes in pregnancy, same deal. Blood sugar parameters are much stricter. And so the sooner we can get towards closer or as close to it as possible, the better the outcomes would be. Agree. And, and thank you for that plug for them having a preconception counseling appointment. <laughs> If you are considering getting pregnant in the next year, you should visit with your OB-GYN and go over your health risk factors, how we can optimize your health, what medications or supplements we may need to cut out or we may need to add. Those are really key visits. And so often, you know, we're not seeing patients until they're 10, 12, 14 weeks pregnant sometimes. And you're like, oh, well, you know. <laughs> That, that could be really critical, and especially in your realm with hypothyroidism or hyperthyroidism, because hypothyroid in a fetus can be very significant, right? We can have adverse outcomes because that fetal thyroid doesn't start actually producing until somewhere around 12 weeks. Correct. Yeah. So especially in those with known Hashimoto's uh, thyroid disease, that's always a conversation. So I always tell them, I will see you back in a year. But 
when you are, so let's say we are deciding whether we need to start thyroid hormone or not in a young female patient. So typically my next question is, what are our pregnancy goals? What are your reproductive goals? If you are trying to become pregnant, then we may need to start sooner because again, my, I have a stricter number for you than just somebody who is not about to get pregnant. So that is one. And then, and then I tell them, I'll see you back in a year. However, when you find out you are pregnant, after you tell your mother, I am the next one to call. <laughs> I love it. We laugh and then they remember it. And so I get all kinds of calls. I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. And so uh, typically before they even see gynecology or your, your OB, because the OB will say, when is the first uh, typical prenatal visit? Is it 10 weeks or? Somewhere around there, somewhere between eight and 12 weeks typically. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so I go, oh, you're pregnant. Okay. So you know, my response to that will be check blood. Mm-hmm. So they already know, oh, I've been to the lab and I'm pregnant. Do your thing. And so we start the, start the visits. So during pregnancy, I adjust thyroid hormone levels in those who are hypothyroid. I see them every four to six weeks. So in diabetes, especially when out of control, and these are really intense ones, I almost sometimes end up seeing, to me, when you are uncontrolled diabetes and pregnant, it's an emergency to me. So you get seen maybe in one or two days, you see the dietitian in one or two days, and we, I almost have to see you every single week to get it down. Well, you know, in OB world, it's an emergency for us as well. And yes. so often we admit the patient for diabetic management mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the maternal awesome. specialist gets on board and we really work to get it under control because of the significant risk yes. to pregnancy. And that is my goal during pregnancy in diabetics is not to be called by the OB and especially <laughs> the maternal fetal medicine specialist. Because when they call, I go, oh my God, I've not done my job right. Well, you know, this is actually, so a full disclosure, this is how I found Dr. Tan because I uh -oh. called the ER. We had a patient who was admitted and was poorly controlled diabetes and we had gotten her titrated, but she had a pump and the MFM was like, I'm not really comfortable managing her pump. Do we have an endocrinologist on staff? So I had to call the ER and say, who are our endocrinologists on staff? And Dr. Tan was kind enough to take my phone call. <laughs> I know. I remember that lady. Remember that lady. She was really nice. She, she was very knowledgeable about, knowledgeable about her case, about her condition. That's always helpful, right? Like, yeah. I love it when patients are willing to, to meet us in, in the middle and really kind of take control yeah. over, over getting the management that we that we so desperately need in pregnancy yes. to avoid the adverse outcomes, you know. Yes. You know, I find that women really when they are pregnant, I feel that because I think you're caring for somebody else, your fetus, I think they are more on board. They're more on board with their control, especially, you know, you may see a lot of, for example, type 1 diabetics who've had diabetes for a long time. And then, you know, they might may not, you know, be under the best control. But then there's something that happens to you. I don't know, it's your psyche and the, or your sense of self or the fact that you're caring for some, some other being in that they are more like on top of things. 
And of course, nobody wants to have poor outcomes. And so a lot of times people, uh, patients are really on board. Right, right. I think with proper counseling and they realize, oh, we mean I could have excessive weight gain. I could have a large progestational infant. I could have preterm birth. I could have preeclampsia. I could, you know, baby could be hypoglycemic at birth. I could have a stillbirth. Like so many things can happen. Congenital anomalies, you know, like of the heart specifically in in poorly controlled diabetes and pregnancy. So there's just so many things that can happen. And so when we can really educate the patient and empower them, not fear-based, right? But educating them so that they feel like, okay, I'm bought in and I'm going to do what I have to do to um, be a part of the solution here to keep me and my baby as healthy as possible. That is great. Yes, I completely agree. Completely agree. Yeah. So it takes a team. It takes a village. (laughs) It takes a village. And some of us have to play good cop, bad cop, and in between all kinds of ways. And I would say that's why it takes so many visits. You know, patients need to trust us that we are there for, we, we say what we say, we give the recommendations and we are very strict. They see our heart. So ultimately, right, it's the communication between you and your doctor. If they trust you, meaning they will go to the mile. But I say that, don't do this for me. You're not doing this for me. This is you. Right. Right. I do not go home with your, do- in fact, I cannot go home with you. I'm very high maintenance. <laughs> I need many things. Uh, and, and so you had to do this on your own. And when they have good outcomes, you did this. Yeah, right, right, right. It gives them back the ownership, right? Yes, yes. Right. And I do believe in that shared decision-making between physician and patient, um, but it does, it takes that buy-in. And we know that it's hard work. Like none of us are trying to say, oh, it's simple. Like the answer may be simple, but that doesn't mean it's easy, right? Yes, yes, you're so right. <laughs> Uh, when I tell you your your morning, your fasting blood sugars need to be between 70, 70 to 90. Gosh, that's quite hard to achieve. Mm-hmm. The normal a fasting glucose requirement is 80 to 120 for a normal non-pregnant diabetic. And for diabetes is 70 to 90. You'll find that it's quite hard, especially in those who have severe insulin resistance. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the insulin, I have sometimes been astounded at the degree of insulin sometimes that is needed to get blood sugars under control, right. uh, especially towards the end of pregnancy. Sometimes I've gone to settings and numbers and doses that I have not ever gone before. Wow. And do you find that patients want to please you? And so sometimes, sometimes they feel guilty about their numbers being off and they don't really want to say what their numbers actually have been. Have you ever found that? Yes. <laughs> It's like, just, I can help you best if you just tell me what the numbers I are. I know, just, no tell me, just tell me what is wrong and tell, I've had patients actually, I don't know, I used to work in a small town in Virginia before I came to Fort Worth and, you know, basically I had my windows open. I could see what patients did from when they got out of the car to come into my office because I was just right there and I would see sometimes observe patients sticking their fingers or filling out their notebooks while they were like from the car to my office, I swear. And I saw, what is the point in that? Again, I remind them, I'm a doctor for adults. You're an adult. I'm an adult. I tell you what I feel you should do. And it, it, this is a license. Right. Right. 
Oh. Okay. So tell us what is your goal for the TSH, that thyroid hormone that we measure in pregnancy? Where do you like to in keep it? Less than 2.5. So okay. is where the guidelines are. And especially in the data is well established more in Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So if you have TPO and thyroglobulin antibodies, you have Hashimoto's. So there's no question you need your TSH below 2.5. Data not as well established when you do not have when you do not have these antibodies, but almost they get lumped together. We just need it less than 2.5. All right. So for those who are trying to conceive or planning a pregnancy in the next year, what would be, whether they have an existing diagnosis of diabetes or hyperthyroidism or not, like what would your recommendations be? What would the expert endocrinologist recommendations be? So for thyroid, you know, what I would say is, you know, a good healthy diet that is varied, not too restrictive. For thyroid health, we, iodine uh, is a big thing. And people ask me, should I, I do not even measure. It's not my typical practice to measure iodine levels because historically the United States really is an iodine, what we call iodine replete country. Mm -hmm. There may be small pockets and Texas is not one of them. We also have an iodine. We have had an iodine program where we have iodized salt readily available. And if you're a normal person eating, you know, normal food like bread, go to the grocery store. So for example, bread is rich in iodine. And so I always say like a good, varied, healthy diet is fair. And you see your OB, you may want to do prenatal vitamins, I guess, folic acid. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's one of the big ones that you recommend. And so, and if there is maybe family history, like let's say you have no diagnosis, if there is a family history of thyroid disease, is to get screened with a TSH, maybe even thyroid antibodies, so that you know what your risk is. I agree. If there is a family history, absolutely test early. And about prenatal vitamins, if you're of childbearing years, you should be on a prenatal vitamin. Accidents happen all the time. <laughs> yeah. And the deed is already done before you even know you're pregnant. It's already, exactly, yes. Exactly, exactly. Yes. And we need the prenatal vitamins specifically for that folic acid that is so important to prevent neural tube defects in that first trimester. And you may not even realize you're pregnant until- Correct. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So sooner is better. Okay. Well, it's always a pleasure to chat. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. All right. Until next time, be well. Thank you. All right, Sky community. Thank you for listening to another episode. This episode was sponsored by Sky Women's Health. As a reminder, we're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and we help relieve back pain and pelvic pain in pregnancy and beyond. If you are pregnant and having pain and you feel like you have no reliable way to relieve it, look us up at skywomenshealth.com, request an appointment, and we'll call to get you scheduled. As a board-certified OB-GYN with a Neuromusculoskeletal Medicine Fellowship, I help you realign with hands-on drug-free treatment and relieve pain on the spot without medication. We'll help you maintain these results through your pregnancy and postpartum period. Every pregnant person deserves this, and we are so excited to serve you. You can find us on our website as mentioned or on social at Sky Women's Health. 
or you can call the office at 817-915-9803. That's it for today. Until next week, be well.